To navigate life, we need wisdom. Uh, without wisdom, nothing in life really matters, nothing really has a point, and life can actually end up in destruction and as our life falls apart without true wisdom. But where does true wisdom come from? What does true wisdom look like in our life? In this series, Pursuing the Path of Wisdom, we look at the book of Proverbs, where God tells us exactly what true wisdom is, where true wisdom comes from, and what it looks like in our life. As you listen to this series, uh, if it impacts your life, like it, share it, and subscribe to our list so that you get more of these messages to not only impact your life, but others. God bless as you listen to God's Word. Well, this morning we continue in our series called Pursuing the Path of Wisdom as we work through our way through the book of Proverbs. And what we've been doing is uh, looking at the book for wisdom for our life. And what we've said over the past couple of weeks is that uh, the book of Proverbs isn't really a book uh, on how to live morally. A lot of people approach Proverbs in that way, that it's a book to, to teach us how to live our life in this world. And while that's true, it's really a book that shows us how to live in relationship to God. Uh, God lays out for us wisdom for our life as we live in relationship with Him and the world that He's created. And so as we read the book of Proverbs, it's really just that. God says, here's how you live as my child. Here's how we interact as father and child, as God, creator, and create, creature. And over the past couple of weeks, we've seen different topics like we've seen how to deal with anger, we've seen envy, uh, we've seen uh, managing money, mastering money instead of being mastered by money. But today we come to uh, a topic that is the key to unlocking wisdom. If we don't put away pride, we will never want to listen to God's Word. We will no longer humbly submit to it because of our proud heart. That's what we're going to see today is unlocking the key to wisdom is really all about putting away pride. And so today we want to do three things. We want to diagnose pride in our life. We want to see the result of pride in our life, where that ends up, and we want to see the end of pride. What puts an end to our pride? Diagnose pride, we're going to see the result of pride, and we're going to see what puts away pride, what ends pride. We're going to look at the book of Proverbs today. Uh, we're going to start with that first paragraph on page 8. It's up on the screen for you. Here's what God says through King Solomon. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the unplowed field of the wicked, produce sin. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. Where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. We'll stop right there. Haughty eyes and a proud heart. As we look through the book of Proverbs, it's these two phrases that pop up again and again. The proud and those who have haughty eyes, uh, those who feel superior to others, look down on others, the proud heart that doesn't want to listen and take advice. Uh, it is those who feel superior to others. I don't have to listen. I'm more important. 
This is what pride is in our life. And so I want to get up on, on the screen right away your first point. Pride feels superior to others. The book of Proverbs says if you want to diagnose pride in your life, see how you feel superior to others and watch what happens. It leads to strife. It leads to looking down on others. As uh, Proverbs 11 says, it derides their neighbor. Whoever derides their neighbor, the, the Hebrew word literally means to look down as less than you. And so you, you treat that person like they're less than you. That's deriding your neighbor. Having haughty eyes, I'm superior. You look down on others, it causes strife, and it has a heart that will not take advice. We see this proud heart in the Gospel of Mark. If you remember back to uh, our disciple series that we did throughout the summertime, we looked at John. And John had a moment where uh, he approached Jesus, along with the disciples. John just happened to be the one talking. But John approaches Jesus and he says, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. But don't worry, we stopped him because he's not one of us. And Jesus says, whoever is for us is not against us. Don't stop him. What led John to come to Jesus and say, we stopped that guy from casting out demons? It wasn't love for people. It wasn't love for Jesus because the guy's casting demons out from people. It was the pride in his heart that we're better than them because we follow Jesus. We're the twelve. Jesus gave us this gift. We're with Jesus all the time. That man's not. Therefore, he needs to stop. Haughty eyes looked down, derided his neighbor. And it caused strife and quarrel amongst people. If you want to know if you struggle with pride, where are you feeling superior to others. Maybe you're saying, I don't. And yet pride comes in all shapes and sizes, doesn't it? It can be in any area of our life. For instance, maybe we find pride and, and we we're feel superior to others because of the wealth that we have. We look down on those who have less than us. I can't believe someone would live that way. I can't believe someone would conduct themselves that way. And we feel better than them because of what we have. Maybe it's our, moral, uh, it's our morality. I can't believe they're living like that. With young kids, too, at home. And they're going to live that way, do those things. And inside we start to feel superior to them. It can be with our parenting. As people compliment our children, we start taking pride. As we look at our kids who are academically successful, they're athletic, uh, they're in church, they uh, are, are really good kids, and then we see those kids over there. And we start to feel a little superior to those parents. Maybe they should take a lesson from us, because we know what we're doing, clearly. It can be in job titles. It can be in positions of authority. 
and we start to feel superior to others because of the positions that we have. It can be with work. I built my own business from the ground up. They didn't do that over there, but I did. Pride can come in so many shapes and sizes, and it makes us feel superior to others. And we have haughty eyes and look down. Now, maybe you're sitting there thinking, I don't struggle with that at all. Uh, I'm on the other end. I know that I'm no good. Careful. Self-deprecation and victim mindset is just the opposite side of pride. It's still pride. We're still feeling superior to others. It's just, I'm superior in the worst. Uh, And we've seen those people. We've talked to them, right? Maybe you're one of them. But this person always says this. Uh, if, If you're talking to them about how you've had a hard week, they have always had a harder week than you. Because they're worse. They have it worse than you. That is pride, too. Feeling superior in just the worst way. And it causes division, it causes quarrels, it causes us to look down on others and fill us up with pride. But there's a greater danger than that. If you want to diagnose pride, not only how are you feeling superior to others, but how are you feeling superior to God? Pride, feeling superior to God, is what caused the devil, Satan, to fall. As we read through Scripture, uh, we hear that, that Satan was a created angel, created good angel, powerful angel, who didn't like being under God's rule, wanted to be the master, not the servant, and so he tried to overthrow God, we're told, in his pride. And God kicked him out of heaven, and now he's the devil. He's lost. He's going to destruction. That's what pride does. It tries to make us feel superior and overthrow God. But do humans really do that? Do we really do that? Sure, Satan did it. But do you and I, I don't think we sit here thinking, you know what, I'm going to try to overthrow God today. I don't think any of us would say that. So do we really struggle with this? October 31st. 1517, a monk by the name of Martin Luther uh, walked to the church in Wittenberg, Germany and nailed 95 theses to the door. There were 95 statements or 95 uh, theses that he wanted to debate within the church. Why? Because there were 95 statements where he looked and said, what we're doing and teaching as a church is not found in God's Word. How do you get to a point as a church where you sell indulgences, where, where you, you sell a piece of paper and people come and they give you a lump sum of money and the church says, here's how many forgivenesses you get because of the money you just gave. How do you get to a point as a church to teach that being a monk, a nun, or a priest is the best way that you can glorify God? Any other vocation is secondary to that. It's by, in our pride, Rejecting God's word. How did Adam and Eve eat from the fruit in the garden? It's because Satan appealed to their pride as he came and said, you can be like God. 
knowing good and evil. And in their pride, they disregarded God's word. In their pride, the church disregarded God's word. And they felt superior to him. Do you want to know how you can diagnose pride in your life? Look at how you relate to God's word. Who has the final say in your life? You or scripture? If it's you, then you're trying to overthrow God. In your pride, you're trying to rise up and be superior to God himself. And so how do you relate? When God lays out for you the the definition and the boundaries for sexuality in his word, do you say, I humbly submit, Lord? Or do we say, well, we're living in the 21st century and times have changed? As we hear Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is only through Jesus that heaven is ours. Do we say, yeah, but that's my truth. Who am I to say if they believe in something else that that's not true? I believe in, in, in Christianity. The Bible's for me. The Bible's for my family. But maybe for them it's whatever they believe. Do we submit to God's word when he says to confess your sins? Or do we dig in in our pride and say, I'm not going to confess? Do we listen to God's word when God's word says that if someone sins against you, go and talk to that person? Or do we say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to talk about them behind their back. Do we submit to God's word in all the areas of our life, even the ones that are difficult? Or do we have the final say? Do you want to know if you're trying to dethrone God? Do you want to know if you're struggling with pride and you want to diagnose it? Look at how you relate to God's word. Look at how you live out God's word. And there you'll see if you struggle with pride. There you'll see if you're trying to do exactly what the devil did, which is try to dethrone God and put yourself in the highest place of authority. That is how you diagnose pride. And if that's not humbling enough, what is the result of pride? Let's look at the next couple verses here. I'm sorry. Yep, there you go. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he sets the widow's boundary stones in place. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share the plunder of the proud. Wisdom's instruction is to, is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. What's the result of pride? Destruction. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We see this in the world. We see this in, the, in, in our culture, right? The proud, the haughty, the arrogant, there always comes a fall. When we don't listen, when we don't take advice, it generally ends in a fall. But the destruction here is even more than that. The destruction that God's word is talking about is the eternal destruction that comes with going down the path of foolishness. It's refusing to listen to God's word. It's refusing to humbly submit to him. And it's going our own way down the path of foolishness which ends in eternal destruction. That is the result of pride. It's the result 
that Satan had. And if we continue to go our own way in our proud heart, unwilling to listen to the Lord, that's where it ends. Why? Is God so arrogant? Is God so prideful that he can't have someone who's on the same level as him? Is God so egotistical that he doesn't want you to be like him, to be superior to him? Not at all. It's because it's only through the Lord that there's life. And apart from him, there is no life. And, and so God knows that if we reject his word and we go our own way, where does it lead? It leads to destruction. And so God warns us, repent of your pride because you're going down the wrong way. And it's going to end in destruction. The diagnosis of pride, the result of pride, is destruction. What ends pride? Obviously, I don't think any of us here would say, I want my life to end in destruction. None of us would say, you know what, I want to live verse six, or chapter 16, 18 and 19. I, I want my pride to go and end in destruction, and I want to have a haughty spirit because I want to fall. No one would say that. And so we want to put an end to our pride, but what's the end to our pride? One word. Grace. What was Satan's result when he and his pride rose up and tried to overthrow God? Damnation. That was the result. That's what he got. That's what he deserved. And God said, that's it. You're, you're going to spend eternity in hell. And yet, what does God do for you and me? For people. In his grace, he saved us. In his grace, he had mercy on our souls. In his grace, he saw us going down the path of foolishness, and what does he do? He comes after us. Just like we sang earlier, Jesus said, if I am lost, he will come to me. And that's exactly what Jesus did. In Philippians chapter 2, we hear that Jesus, he took on human flesh, and though he is... Though he is equal to God, he did, not cons- he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus, the God of this world, took on human flesh and he could have gone around this world saying, I'm God, bow down and worship me. I'm God, you better listen to me or I'm going to smite you. But he didn't. He came to serve, humbly. He came in humility to love Not only people, but to love God the Father. And that's what Philippians 2 said. He was obedient to the Father, even to death. Jesus lived out the fear of the Lord, the awe, the wonderment of our God, that he said to God, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I'm here to glorify you. And what glorified God? God said, what glorifies me, Jesus, is if you die for the sins of the world. And Jesus said, yes, Lord. Yes, Father. I will do it. Jesus became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Why? To save you and me. The proud in heart. To save those 
who want to overthrow God by what we think is right, instead of listening to his word, Jesus went to the cross to pay for all of those sins, to pay for all of the pride that is found in here. Jesus went to the cross where he paid for all the times that we look at God's word and we say, I'm not doing that, I'm not listening to that. He paid for it all. So when we stand before God, God doesn't see someone who's proud in heart, but he sees a humble servant saying, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. This is what Jesus has done for you. He's forgiven you. But more than that, he's given you honor that you could never have. Uh, In that last verse there, Proverbs 15, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. That Hebrew word for honor there is a word kavod. Uh, It means honor, supreme glory, supreme glory. Uh, And we hear about it a lot with the Lord. Uh, The Hebrew phrase is kavod Adonai, the glory of the Lord, the supreme glory. This This is what Jesus received. In Philippians chapter 2, he became obedient to death, even death on the cross. So, what did God do? He raised him from the dead. He ascended him up into heaven, sat him at his right hand, where he has the name above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. He's got the supreme glory. And what does Jesus say to you and me? This glory that I have is yours. He's given it to you and to me for eternity. You want to talk about Uh, wanting glory and feeling superior. Jesus has given us the greatest glory that we could ever have. It's the glory of eternal life forever, and it's only through him. And that's what he accomplished for you and for me. This is the glory of the Lord. This is what ends our pride as we want to glorify the God who has given us his glory. And so your point three tonight, or this morning, Tonight, whoa, I guess with all the rain and the dark clouds, (laughs) wow, 10 o'clock in the morning, Uh, pride ends when I glorify God. Because of what Jesus has done, because of the grace of our God, what do we want to do? We want to glorify and honor him. We want to take eyes off of ourselves and put them on our God. This is what Jesus did. Every time that people came to praise Jesus and gave him praise and thanks, what did he do? He pointed their eyes to the Father. And this is how we end pride. As we know the grace of God, or I should say this is how God ends pride in us. As we know the grace of God, that he came and saved us, that it's only through him that we have this supreme glory, we want to take people's eyes off us and put it on our God. And so as you get up to go to work tomorrow, As you get up to go to work tomorrow, we pray. Father, let me use my talents to the best of my abilities, not so that people give me recognition, not so for my glory, but so I can glorify you. As we come to church, as we enter a room, as we go to a party, we take our eyes off ourselves and and we stop comparing ourselves to others and and wonder how people are going to view us, but instead we walk in and say, how will people view the Father through me today? How will people view Jesus through me today? As people compliment our children, we're able to say, glory to God. It's amazing to see how God is working through them and how God is interacting in their life 
and bringing them along. As our church continues to grow, we point our eyes off of Divine Savior Church, but to the Divine Savior who is at work among us. In everything we do, we give glory to God. We point others' eyes off me and up to Him, including my own. I don't care how I look. I don't care uh, what people think of me. I care what the Father thinks of me. And so as glory comes, as honor comes, I point people's eyes to Jesus. This is what will end pride as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and we bring people's eyes off us to the glory of God, the God who saved us by his grace, the God who's given us glory beyond any earthly glory that could ever uh, be had. It's a glory that's yours forever through Jesus Christ, your Lord. And when you're secure in that, we don't have to get other people's glory and honor because we have the glory that comes from God. May God be with us as we do this. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise and thank you for the glory that is ours, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of your mercy. It's in your mercy that you sent Jesus, our Savior, uh, who took on human flesh and lived the humble life uh, that you want us to live. Uh, a humble life is not thinking uh, less about ourself. We don't have to be self-deprecating. But instead, it's thinking of ourselves less. We take our eyes off ourselves and we place it onto you. Uh, it's through you that we have eternal glory through Jesus, our Savior, and we have all the glory that we need. And so we don't need to gain it from others because we have it from you. Safe and secure through Jesus uh, and confident through Jesus we now get to glorify you in all that we do today. Help us to point other, others' eyes to you, the God who gives glory, the God who saves by his grace, so that they too may know their Savior Jesus and what he has done for them. We ask you to give us a humble heart as we listen to your word. Uh, we don't want to overthrow you. We don't want to act superior to you. And part of that is approaching your word with humility, knowing that you are God and we are your cre creatures. Uh, a creature saved by your grace. And so let us approach your word with humility as we say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Be with us today. Continue to work in us humility uh, that we may glorify you in our thoughts, words, and actions. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message today. It's my prayer that uh, it has changed your heart as you grew in the message of your Savior, Jesus. Again, if you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing We'd be grateful for that. God bless your day.